0: Hi everyone, Janet McMorty here. I just wanted to make a statement about the WGA SAG-AFTRA strike. So Second Act Actors stands in solidarity with the Writers Guild and our American acting siblings of SAG-AFTRA in this strike. If you have recorded an episode and are a SAG member, I will be reaching out to you personally with more information soon, but here is the brief version. I spoke with SAG regarding guest podcast appearances. Being on my show specifically and having your Second Act Actors episode air does not violate strike rules. However, if you prefer to delay your episode until after the strike, I fully support this, and it is zero issue at all. Solidarity! Any promotion of work under contract within the episode is not allowed. I ask every podcast guest, as you know, if there's anything you're looking forward to coming up, which tends to include future projects. I will be cutting Out of further episodes, this part of the episode until the strike is over. So you may notice in my episodes coming up that a lot of people are Canadian actors, uh, international actors, not SAG actors, because quite a number of SAG actors that I have reached out to have opted to delay their episode until the strike is over. And I fully, fully support this. Second Act Actors stands in solidarity with the strike, and I love you all, and we. hope that this ends soon, and with all the good things and necessary things that you are asking for, because it needs to happen. Solidarity! Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Maggie Fleming. Maggie was an event planner turned author and model, and she has a phenomenal story to tell from her journey working as an event planner event coordinator with Tesla and now pursuing a career in the more creative environment of modeling and Writing. She has authored a book all about etiquette. She is a true Southern belle and she is just an absolute joy to talk to. She and I have a lot in common in the fact that we have very logical brains and we have a lovely discussion about seeing math as an art form. I just absolutely love that part of our conversation. She is a true joy. Please enjoy Maggie Fleming. I'm very happy to be a guest. I'm so excited to hear your story. Tell me all about yourself. I was reading all about you before we came on, and you have had you have kind of your your hands are in many different pots in the very creative world.
1: Yeah, so I mean, especially I, right. It's fun. I think the title of this podcast it being kind kind of you know the second act. So I mean, with my first act, it was really all about being. um and I was new projects for a sustainability company, and so I just had the chance, honestly, to just do all kinds of things. For it was pretty much a startup at that time, and um, you know that's really what I did at the as my first act was the working for a sustainability company on the West Coast. And um, I'm originally from Texas, and they moved me out here and everything, and so I did that for a while um, just after graduating from school, it had nothing to do with my major that I had studied for. I just decided that I was going to come out here, uh, really kind of, you know, uh, take a, take a fairly big risk, right? Leave where you're from, go out and work for this company doing something I didn't even study for. So there's a lot of, um, ambiguity with that and kind of like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm about to do this, but you know, I went ahead and I did that as my first act. And, um, so yeah, it was for Tesla. So I worked for, so yeah. And this is back in the, like the Model S days too. Like they only had the Model S. So it was pretty, yeah. Wow. It was pretty intense. (laughs) What did you study in school? I studied finance. So business, like business is pretty much business math. I always was okay at math. So I went ahead and follow through. And I always kind of liked math. And so that's pretty much what that is in business is business math. Can you do math? And you just kind of apply it with numbers and kind of be able to have your analytical self, you know, be involved in your professional life. So. So
0: you did that for how long? And then now you've done a shift. Tell me more.
1: I did that for about three and a half years, which, and at that time, um, Janet, it was, like the average time, I think I was talking with one of my friends actually, and she said it was less than this. I thought it was two years. Just the turnover of people was, was, was pretty high at that point. So staying for like over three years was a, isn't it was an accomplishment for me too, just because it's a, there's a lot going on at one time and a lot of people are changing. And so, yeah. So you're there and then what brought you to what you're doing now? Right, so really, like, you know, being able to be around those life changing products at that time and very elite products. And, you know, I think that that's a lot of people would have, um, probably had to, wanted to try to keep staying, you know, or stay there as long as they could with such a cool, cool product. Um, people even had the chance to, like, test drive those prior, like, you could go test drive. I actually didn't do that that much, Janet. I don't even know if I ever did that. Because, um, because I was always trying to work on this, just the different projects I had. I was, I was, a lot of it was supporting the people at Tesla in the manufacturing time, like in the manufacturing area and, um, when it was really a heavy, heavy ramping. And, um, but I kind of felt like around, you know, after a while, I was just feeling like I wasn't as engaged in what I was doing at work the commute didn't help any, or, you know, that much either. It was kind of a, it was a pretty wild commute, you could say as well. So just kind of throwing in those things of kind of feeling like I wasn't feeling as involved or, you know, with what I was doing each day, I felt like I kind of had this moment of, I'm out here in California, right? I moved here, I'm out here and I'm in this kind of, you know, a close to the epicenter, you could say of, of entertainment, right? And, um, I had this feeling of like, it's now or never. Like I kind of, I need to right. we're going to be in this industry with other people who had this as their first act. And if I'm going to, if knowing that I'm doing this already as a second act, I better get going. I better get, to, you know, I better get started if, um, if I want to be here, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you felt like that too, Janet, but it was kind of like, okay, these people had it as a first act. I know I have something different to offer, but I need to get going if I want to be able to be here and um, and so yeah, that was kind it was kind of like a moment of it's now or never.
0: And I that's a big vein that travels through a lot of people that I talk with and I I, I feel that and I think there's a, a feeling of and I know I've had this and I'm, I'm wondering if you feel the same too. like there's a, you need to catch up because there's been people who've been doing this since. They were four and were behind. but I had a casting director once just tell me that like you're not like behind anyone because of the life experiences you had that you're now bringing into this second act. I was like, oh I never thought about it that way. What are your thoughts?
1: I really like that. I think it helps me feel a little bit more of relief I guess I just of when and that it that it's like a beautiful path that we've been able to, to make. Mm -hmm. And so I I like, I like that director. I hope you got to work with him more and do, do a few projects with him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, So yeah, tell me about that shift and what that looked like. Like what did you do when you had that realization and then how did you build and grow? So
1: with that shift, I, which is a pretty, you know, it's another pretty big shift. I mean, and I will say it wasn't actually, it it was a big shift, but I don't know if I would say it was as big of a shift maybe as you would have, would have thought in that, you know, I'm in this industry, but I'm, it's not, I, I mean, like you too, Janet, but it's not like the only thing that I do. So I have, I'm doing other things at the same time. So, I mean, when you say it's like a huge shift, yes, it was a shift, but I mean, I'm still doing other, like there's other things going on. I'm still doing other, um. Which we'll talk about later, right? With like the other endeavors that are that are going on, but it was a shift. Um, The big shift being, <laughs> like day to day, you know, what I'm actually what I was doing each day is very different. Before I was doing more of like new projects that had a had like the ana, had like the analytical piece of it. So like I would be doing you know heavy projects that were number related, or I had to work with a lot of cross functional stakeholders you know, to work out these projects, maybe with finance, the finance team or a recruiting team, kind of being able to be the person to help balance these things internally uh, with the company, as well as doing, I actually did like a lot of events, which that comes out later with what we'll talk about too. But I did, you know, I brought over 60 people to a Warriors game for, for Tesla employees, which I don't think I had been done before. I basically pitched this to my bosses. And I was like, what do you think of this? Like our employees are working really, really hard because this was when the, like they were building sometimes I think even double the amount they were building the previous quarter. It's just these, um, these statements were being made by, uh, you know, by the, the company leaders and to wall street and to the banks of what we had to build. And basically what they said, we had to figure out how to build. And so whatever was promised, we had to, so really these, you know, early mornings, late nights, um, days, weekends, uh, holidays, you know, so them doing these, these really remarkable, unbelievable things. We all had to really have, you know, one, one mind, one team, uh, approach to how we were going to do these, uh, things together and, and really come together if we were going to be able to do it. And, um, you know, as well as. We brought puppies in for the first time. Um, it was an idea that was pitched and supported <laughs> and, um, you know, just sumo wrestling was, we had, we got the sumo suits out. Um, you know, so there was just a lot of, you know, music outside entertainment coming in. So just trying to, uh, help the people of Tesla and especially these people who are kind of just spending wild hours, I would say in the factory, This is when there was only one factory and, um, just seeing what I could do and then see what the, if the bosses would be okay with this, right. To be able to, to, you know, make them, make them smile maybe a little bit more, um, you know, that day or have them have that be something that they talked about with their loved ones when they really, when they finally did go home, you know, like, what'd you do at work? Like, well, I, uh, there were puppies today, you know, or like we stopped by and and all the puppies were adopted, you know, it was with the humane society. So I think it was a really, um, fun thing. So yeah, it was, so I mean, and then going to, so then going to, uh, you know, with modeling, that's more of a, it's way more external facing, I would say. So like when you were saying you work with Mm -hmm. the directors, um, or where you had the chance to talk with directors. So doing, um, I did more internal stuff before. So for the company, it's kind of funny cause I, I mean, probably you would think kind of HR ish, but I wasn't part of HR. I was part of the actual, more of the, it was called powertrain is what is called in the, the factory. So it's really kind of the, the essential components or the kind of the unique elements of the, the Tesla is where is the area I was in the, so a lot of engineers and, um, you know, hardware engineers or people working on the actual physical elements and tangible pieces, um, of the, of the car in the factory as well as, you know, all the people in there who are actually putting the pieces together, um, in the factory. And then yes, you go to modeling, right. And it's so, or at least I'm more, I do more of the modeling side, which, um, but it's just way more external facing. Like you're working with clients, you know, you don't really, you get a few, you work with them for a few hours. Um, so just very different dynamic and that not only like, uh, like the people who you're spending time with, but you just, I don't know them very well, you know, but you just kind of, you do what you can for a little bit and um, give it what you got each time. And so that's very fundamentally different when you talk about uh, what is the shift is the shift was the people who I spend time with is um, and how well I know them before it was more internal mm. working with employees. And now it's more, uh, client facing and external. And I have to, you know, I just kind of mm. do what I can for a little bit and then I'll probably see them again, you know, in a little, in, a, in a couple of weeks or sometimes. Um, so yeah. So the people, they shift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I think what did you
1: do? So a big
0: thing I hear from people who are doing a big shift like that is when you, move in and it's, and it's about people, right? For both of the careers. But how do you start in an industry that you didn't, like, how do you build a community? How do you get your name out when you've been so inwardly facing to now, how do you start a modeling career in LA, which is a loaded question because doesn't everyone want to do that, right? (laughs) The American dream. But like, how do you find those connections when you're coming at this, not starting when you're five?
1: You know, I think that's an excellent question, probably for you. I would love to hear what you have to say after this too. But I mean, I think that not knowing what I didn't know, right. Having a level of just being naive would helped me. I would say that that's pretty Mm. much what for, Mm. for beginning as in, um, Not knowing certain things when I started, I think just overall, and then later on I learned it and, and it, you know, it worked out, but having an agent, I'm actually not, and I'm not in LA. I'm in uh, the East Bay. I'm in like the San Francisco Bay area. (laughs) So that's also different as well (laughs) as, is, um, that I'm up North, but I'm still in California Um, but I think having an agent really, that's the person, right? Like that's the person who gets you in the door. At least I don't know if that's how you are for, if that's how you like, but that's the person who gets you in the door. And then if you're in the door, then that you decide what's going to happen next, but they help you get in the door if you're not in the door. And then, I mean, sometimes later on, there'll just be, I'm sure you have a story like this too, Janet, of just a, like a weird coincidence. You're in a hair salon and and you just meet someone else who's in the like who's in the entertainment industry too and they're like, "Oh, you did this." I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Hey, I'm going to let you meet this person." And then so I had some things happen like that as well as I'm in the hair salon, I'm getting my hair, like I'm, you know, I'm doing a little getting a little trim or something like that and they're like, "Oh." And then something like that organically does happen, which is is fun.
0: We hear about the scams that people fall for, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the acting industry is riddled with them. I'm going to assume the modeling industry is riddled with them. But I think, and this is tooting our second act horns, is so good at like kind of weeding out what are scams, because we've lived life before, is that something that you noticed when you were kind of being pulled into like into your modeling career? Um, or is that something because you like, cause I know not be having an agent protects people from scams, but was that something that was involved in your shift? Cause it's something I hear a lot about second act actors being nervous and worried that they're just going to get scammed.
1: I think that I really just counted on, I have a certain level of trust I would say with my agent and uh, that team that, I mean, they're never going to put me in a situation or at least not intentionally to where it's not mm-hmm. legit. It's not really where I'm supposed to be. And, and if there ever is a situation like that, I'm just supposed to call or if, you know, if I feel like something's weird, you know, I just call or leave, you know, or tell them something like that. Um, so yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great to hear. Has there been
1: anything that has surprised you about this now new career that you have? Oh yeah. I mean, I so I think that I think that the last thing or something that is most surprising and it'd be interested to cuz you're out on the you're on the east coast, right? You're in, Yes, I'm in Toronto. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. so you're in Canada. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Um so with something that surprised me a lot which it still does each day. It's just the last minuteness of it. I think I made up a word. Mm-hmm. It happens sometimes. Just the last minuteness of it is that I will have a client who has planned in advance, right? Okay. You're going to come in at this time on this day for this amount of time. I'm like, okay, great. And then you'll have another client who within 24 hours or 48, or they're trying to have you come in. And I'm like, it's tomorrow. I already have something going on tomorrow or like, and then, but like, and then we can't, like, I'm not going to see that client. So it's just, I think that's something that's surprising to me sometimes is I feel like something that, well, I mean, just the one, when you have other ones who do plan a little further in advance, and then you have ones that are on the 24 to 48 time frame. I'm like, so it's like, you want to contribute to both, you know, but you kind of have to go with the one who asked for you first. So that's something that surprised me Okay, like no, like I'm not gonna be able to go tomorrow. You know, I already have something. What about you? Without question, what surprised you? <laughs> you? Hit the
0: nail, you hit the nail on the head. And it's funny because, like, you've used the term analytical a couple times, and I love that word because it describes me to a T. When, and the biggest surprise for me was exactly that, and having to relinquish some control over routine. And having things being kind of up in the air and not knowing to the last minute, like, oh, we want you on set at this time or you have an audition and it's due like tomorrow. I'm like, but my, 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 my routine is <laughs> like, no, no, I kind of have to get out of my logical brain and kind of let things flow a little bit more and relinquish that control because there is no control. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I I find it tricky, especially when. And let me know what your thoughts are. Like my first act, which I still do, practice medicine is very, very routine, right? I've got it's like the nine to five. I've got the commute that I know. It's this is going to happen on a Wednesday. This is going to happen on a Thursday. And when that shift into acting happened a bit more, and that was just not a thing. There was no routine. It threw me for a loop, like threw my physical body for a loop, and threw my. You know, mental health for a loop as well too. When you were younger, yeah. When were you artistic at all, like, or were you more? Because again, the word analytical, kind of logical. Were you more mathematical brained, or were you involved in any kind of creative things growing up?
1: So I was actually always a little geared more towards like, like exercising and, um, sports Mm. and I always liked running a lot and it got turned into more of team sports later. Um, but I mean, I, I think the math, the fact that I, I mean, you talk, You mentioned analytical, so I'm curious too, if you liked math. Did you like math? Yep. I have a physics minor. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Physics is so cool. I, I did take physics. Before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Physics is awesome because it's all about kind of, it's kind of sports science, right? It, or like, it, like, that's how we totally. learned well, about it. Well, I have a it.
0: physiology degree. Yeah. I oh, love okay, sports cool. science. I work in sports medicine. Yeah. I love it.
1: So like, I think math is an art. So, and I think more and more they're teaching that as well. It's becoming STEAM, right? Science, technology, engineering, art, math. Um, So more and more, I think that it's being recognized as well that art and, you know, some people already consider that, but art is a math. And so the fact that I liked, I mean, that math is an art, my apologies. Um, So the fact that I liked math, I think was related to art at a young time. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting the way you know, the formulas and, and, um, you know, the way that you were able to create things through math. And so getting to be in there and when you reach a certain level of that, which happens sometimes, you know, a little bit more in college, um, it does more and more become kind of this interesting, you know, different type of, but kind of a, I would say an art. Um, so I think that math was at it when I was a child, more and more now. Right. But when I was a child, I do think that that was something that I already had a kind of a, you know, was already close to was having a bond with that, with being in that area of a way of me to connect to art. I always kind of liked to to just see what I could do with numbers and, um, and, um, find other people who also kind of enjoyed, uh, that as well. I wasn't in the math, I wasn't on a math club, but I was, I did do sports. <laughs> I did do sports. And I did a lot of different sports. I always liked exercising too. I think that's important with uh, wellness and stuff. I think sometimes when we, right, when we're not a child anymore, we forget sometimes to stay physically active and go out and make sure you, you take care of yourself almost on, you know, if not almost on a daily basis. So I think that I always gravitated towards when I wasn't studying, I was trying to just go out and kind of have friends and, you know, spend time with friends and, and do some exercise, um, running, volleyball, basketball, soccer.
0: I love what you were talking about with, yeah, STEM now turning into STEAM because I, I don't know about you when, but when I was growing up, it was like you had a choice between two paths. It was like your science or your art right? Like you went to a Bachelor of Science or you went to a Bachelor of Arts and neither the two shall meet. (laughs) And I think, and that's why, again, I know for myself, I was noticing I was burning out in the science road, even though I do love it. It's because I didn't allow the art road to meet the science road. And so I'm thrilled to hear that it's being taught more and being appreciated and almost being like, I don't know, like reevaluated in our brains, thinking of it in, as, as an art form, the math. And in, I just think that's so exciting for kids these days to be doing. I'd love to know a bit more about now how you're kind of mingling the two. Like, have you brought anything from your, your prior career now into more of the artistic pursuits that you're doing?
1: I would say definitely something that is still relevant for me, um, being that I was, you know, kind of more, it was kind of more businessy, right? I was in a corporate environment. Um, I actually, before I worked at, at Tesla for years, I also was in the banking industry. That's where my more formal education comes Mm -hmm. from is more of a, a banking, um, it's kind of like a little bit of a banking feel as well is professionalism. So I definitely still have a level of um professionalism, I would say that I bring, though I bring that too. It's more I think sometimes I honestly think sometimes clients are kind of shocked, Janet, just cuz I it's not so much like the way I dress necessarily right or the way um it's more about just I guess how I approach it. It's um you know, I've been told before um that I'm so that I do think like for modeling that I've, you know, I did it. I've done things extremely well, but it's almost too fast. That's what they tell me. They're like, you did it extremely well, but you almost did it too fast. I'm like, maybe too fast. And I'm like, why? And so I, they almost make it kind of like, and to me, I'm like, that's a sign of professionalism for me because I'm trying to do it basically as quickly or as, as extremely well as possible as I can. And in as quick of a time as I can, um, you know, the less, right. The less shots or the less cuts of something, right. Less, you know, less less takes. And, um, if this is a, you know, acting or, or less amount of shots, if it's modeling, but because that's kind of what I think one of the goals is, is to, um, do it as absolutely well as possible. And as, cause it's a, you're giving people time back. And I don't think, I think that's a great gift to give people is their time back. And I don't think that people get that back very much. So I think professionalism is something Mm -hmm. really that, I've brought from one area to the next that has helped me. And I think it almost shocks people a little bit at times because I, yeah, apparently that's what it
0: I love that. And I love the idea of giving people their time back. I'd been, I've heard before, like we have three, three finite resources in our lives, time, energy, and money. And uh, they're the most important things, sadly for the money part, but like time is something. Yeah. That's so rare to be able to give people time back because the expectation would be the exact opposite. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting. That's I, I like that a lot. And um, yeah, adding the professionalism piece in there makes total sense. Because again, you have that from your first act, right? That's been brought in. Well, it's ingrained in you as a human being, but built up over the first act, which I think people who haven't had that will be lacking compared to you, for sure. How could they not be? Why, out of all the myriad of careers you could pick, Why modeling? What drew you to modeling?
1: I think also with my background in events or doing events for thousands of people, there's a level of just, there's an eye for it, right? You have to have, there's a certain people are, it's like a, it's a, it's kind of a visual thing or it's an, it's something to do with just how you see things. And I think that that's also involved in modeling. I always love being able to talk with the director if I can, or talk with the photographer, (laughs) Um, if there's a photo shoot, you know, or, um, something that we're working on, I'm, I'm giving ideas too. they might throw them out, right. But I'm giving ideas as well about different, um, different things that we can create, you know, visually, right. It's, um, I do, I do paint sometimes too. So I think that kind of comes into play. Um, but I think that that's something that is what draws me more to modeling and to print is, Yeah. More like magazines, for example, or, you know, something along the lines of that is just, um, there's like more of a visual, I'd say there's just more of a kind of a visual classic, um, element that comes into play that also is translated from Mm -hmm. events. You know, I have like this, you can have like a, you know, just a picture. It's very, you can have like a picture, right. Of what you think that you are that you're aiming for or what you were, And it might be a little different. It might be a little bit better, you know, that it comes out, but you kind of have a, a picture in your, in your head that you are working mm. towards or that you can kind of see. And you can paint that with the director, writer, the more the photographer is usually who I'm using. Like they're telling me or I'm talking with them. And so I think that that's something that huh. modeling and events, or there's just an, there's more, there's an eye for it.
0: Do you think that was taught or is that, is that teachable or is that something that you've always had?
1: Oh, I mean, it has to be coming from teachable moments <laughs> because I didn't know anyone, Janet, in the, in the entertainment industry before I started. So this is totally, I mean, I think it's teachable because, um, it's definitely not coming from like, uh, I didn't know anybody. I did not know anyone in, in, uh, entertainment when I started. So it's not from mm-hmm. like, a someone who I knew before or, and then I'm from a completely, like I'm from the South and that's not really what's going on there either. So it's definitely coming more from just people. Once I'm here to like, to kind of, you know, just teaching me or coaching me on what is, um, what's going on, what are we doing, you know, and, and running with it. And yeah.
0: Do you have any advice for anyone who? might be feeling similar to how you felt in your time at
1: Tesla and thinking about making a change? I would say have an agent and stay classy. I think that might be from Ron Burgundy, right? Stay classy. But I think having an agent, right? Having an agent really um just helps you getting your foot in the door or, you know, know what's going on, especially if you're coming from somewhere else, if you have it, if you have a first act, that's really different. Um, I think finding an agent that you in your, like in your local area to start, um, just really helps you go, you know, you have to start looking that up or, you know, doing those things. But I don't know if you have an interesting story with that. I kind of do just cause I didn't know that, the story with that is that I just walked into one and I didn't know that I had to have an appointment or anything like that. And there, and I mean, we, it ended up working out, but apparently, sometimes you do have to get appointments for these things. So, just so y'all know, you can't just necessarily walk on in, but, and, but then stay classy, have class with what you do. But yeah, those two things.
0: Yeah, I think we can't underestimate, overestimate, I don't know what it is, but the stay classy, because I think this industry, And I'm sure like acting and I'm sure modeling is the same. And honestly, to be honest, all industries are small and people talk and word gets out. And I think especially when you're building a second act career or even just building your first act career, like it's so easy to build. And then if you're not classy, you can just wipe out all the things that you've done. Right. And it just I don't know some of the stories you hear from people, especially people like directors or writers or people who are more behind the camera, the stories you hear about people in front of the camera, you're like, oh my Lord, they're not, they're not listening to Ron Burgundy and they're not staying classy, but work gets out, right? Like, I don't know. Do you have any favorite moments from your time modeling any funny moments or anything like that? Things that you really remember?
1: Definitely a funny moment is that or something that i thought was just kind of like oh gosh this something like this would happen is just one of my photo shoots i was doing janet was we were having a photo shoot and it was like an all-out like it was a long photo shoot and i'm actually one of the ones who i mean right similar to what i shared with you at tesla like people want to go test drive cars or like i'm kind of like hey i'm working you know like or i'm i'm trying to knock i'm trying to do something else for another employee help someone else out you know and um and you know, I think I would have been fine to just keep going. Like on our this photo shoot we were having, it was going to be a formal wear photo shoot. It was going to be a casual wear outdoor. We were just trying to, we were just doing it all in one day. And um, there was swimsuit too. We were doing like a swimsuit piece of it. And uh, I don't know who decided this, right? But the swimsuit was last. And so we did like everything, and then we had swimsuit. But the team, a group of nice guys right? It's doing a great job, but they wanted to go get pizza as a break. And so we all went and got pizza and they're like, Maggie, why are you eating? Like, why? I'm like, well, do you think it might have to do with, we got one thing left and it's a swimsuit, you know, like (laughs) we haven't done the swimsuit. Like, so of course they're like down in the pizza, like loving it. And I'm just like, I can't, you're, this is like horrible. You're eating the pizza for me. And they're like, come on, they're like, I eat pizza. And I'm like, we're about to do swimsuit. The last thing of everything, you know. So anyways, it was kind of funny just because, no, I'm not going to have pizza right before swimsuit. The last thing at the very end of the day, why didn't we do this first? Why couldn't we do a swimsuit at the very beginning? You know, we're in the middle, you know, right? I have the swimsuit and then the break, you know, why do I have to do the break, then swimsuit? Let's think about this. I'm not having pizza. <laughs> you, know?
0: like, you hired me. I'm still working, but come on. Oh my God. Nice guys though. They're,
1: they're all very, you know, I've worked with them a few times, but I was just kind of like, you know, I'm not going to have pizza.
0: (laughs) I love all the event stuff that you were doing at Tesla because you've now transformed that into a book that you wrote, right? About like, tell me more about that.
1: Yes. So I am from the South. I'm from Texas. Um, I did do events for years, right. Uh, for thousands of people. Um, and then being from the South, I did go to etiquette school. I went to, yeah, I went to etiquette school. I was a, deb- a debutante as well. Um, so just, and then also, right, the book has even been internationally recognized as well as it's been on a top, it's been recognized on the top publication in the United, or one of the top publications in the United States. So it's just gotten a lot of um, great attention for, you know, which is really fun because a lot of designers worked on it too, and editing went into it. And so it's really an all-in-one hospitality book, and so really looking at Right etiquette and manners, as well as decor, as well as food, as well there's etc. So there's just a lot of different um, different things that is went into this, and a lot of different eyes that went in, you know looked at this and weighed in on this, and um, so it's been. Yeah, I'm excited. I think people are, are enjoying it and I hope they continue to, to like it and um, and share about it too. And if they do like it so that the, someone else can read it and like, you know, have a chance to enjoy it as well.
0: And it's called The Art of Entertaining. Yes, The Art of Entertaining. Yes, And I will link in the show notes below. Was that's something that you'd always thought about
1: doing or how did, why, why write a book like this? Like what inspired you? This is a theme of my life. I feel like Janet is like, I didn't grow up knowing like, I'm going to be like when I was six or, you know, when you talk about this, I'm going to be a model when I grow up, like, or I'm going to be, you know, I didn't, that, that wasn't going on. I, uh, you know, I didn't really say when I was little, I'm going to write a book. Like I didn't. Um, so I think just it kind of naturally progressed. I had an opportunity where I had a coach I had, I'm big on no matter what your age is, having people write someone else might say a mentor in this situation, but I almost, I think, I think I, I like a coach a little bit more. I think people can kind of understand that term and that it's, and it feels more hands-on. I had a coach helping me um, with how to write a book, right? Cause when you've never done something like this before, you're kind of like, how am I going to how do I start it? Right. What am I going to say? How is it going to look? There's just a lot of these different questions that you don't think about before you're doing it. So I had a coach help me. Um, I went to, I tried to go to a different location, uh, to write the book. So I even went somewhere else. I went to like a, you know, a more of a foresty location, um, which is actually where you can find the book on ForestyHome.com. So I kind of went to a more foresty, which that's kind of someone else might go to the beach Right. Or you have to go somewhere, I think, to, um, to help you be able to, I think, find more of an inspiration just to, to write, to be able to kind of, um, to do that. And so I went somewhere else and then I basically was thinking about, you know, where am I, where am I way more or significantly, significantly more, maybe advanced in one area than, than someone else? Or where is that? And, you know, with the, doing events for years for thousands of people. I actually growing up to, I either ho- hosted or co-hosted quarterly for at least 35 plus people, um, you know, doing events as well or doing you know, running events for at least 35 or more, uh, quarterly growing up for, you know, for, for a long period of time, um, with the etiquette school, debutante, you know, being a debutante, it's really, I thought hospitality, I'm Irish American. So, Uh, Irish are known for hospitality, just treating people really well. Um, and so I think that, you know, that kind of stems from my family as well. And, um, so I think it just really came more from trying to bottle it up, you know, into a, into something that have all these pieces be able to come more together. It's kind of an all encompassing, um, you know, approach to hospitality and thinking about a lot of different elements um, that are involved more just with also how, right. Cause I even touch on etiquette and stuff too, which I think most of the time people don't necessarily, um, uh, you know, people go more only for food. Let's just say or like, you know, they focus more on like the food elements. Let's say it's like, it's my book. If there is, there is food in there, but that's not the only thing, right. You know, there's other things that come into play with the hospitality that, you know, that, um, that are laid out more in the book for people to understand. And, and, um, this also re- relates, you know, back to a little bit with the the classy part of it. Um, so that kind of, you know, with being, being classy, so it can, it can relate to, like you had mentioned, like any industry, um, some of this information. Um, and so while there is a lot of information in this book, some of this also relates to the having class. And sometimes that's not all. I don't, I do not get into how people should dress. I will say that in the book. I do not say how to dress on these different occasions. I did not do that because that changes. I wanted this to have, I wanted this book to have a timeless feel about it. And I felt like if I were to get into clothing and you know, that, that, that won't be as I wouldn't say as long lasting. I wanted to have this book to have more of a timeless feel. And, um, so I did not do clothing, but I mean, there are definitely things about, you know, how to carry yourself and the way you should speak and, um, et cetera on that related to etiquette and manners, uh, too. So there's a lot of, I think, really valuable insights that have gone into this book and a lot of people have weighed in on it.
0: And I think what struck me so much just about reading bits and hearing your story is what you were saying about how it's just so all-encompassing of what you've done, and it truly is, right? Like everything you're talking about, it's professionalism, it's staying classy, there's creativity involved in this, there's the art piece, there's also a very analytical brained person putting this book together and bringing people in and bringing experts and stuff like that in as well, too. It is so all-encompassing. And I think that is really special. Like ha- what an incredible, not only gift to give to the world, um, but also for yourself to just realize how much of an all-encompassing, well-rounded human you are. And then here it is in this legacy.
1: Like, That's so cool. <laughs> well, thank you. It is for people to, you know, it is for people to enjoy. But it was, it was, I'm not going to act like it wasn't kind of fun making it. It was difficult as well. I mean, it took, it took a long time.
0: How do you think, or do you know how, like your parents, loved ones, guardians, how do they describe what you do for a living these days?
1: I would probably say more of like a Jill of all traits. So just, Hmm? just doing a lot of uh, different things, trying to make, you know, trying to have things come together and and flourish uh, professionally and, you know, career wise and just, overall being also a uplifting force as I'm doing it, um, is really probably how they would think of it. Just doing, doing a lot of things. It's really awesome.
0: Doing a lot of things. (laughs) I love it.
1: Do you have anything you're looking forward to coming up? I think this is fun. I mean, it's directly, it's, we're doing this right now. I think that podcasts, I really enjoy, I like, I like continuing to be on podcasts. I think it's a really it's a short form of art and that is something that mm-hmm. I do love. I love staying close to. That's definitely something that was involved in the book as well as there's an art element. I mean, I, t- I told you kind of events has an eye for something. So this book has also a very, eye. there's a visual element to a book that you wouldn't really necessarily expect um, for when people read it. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, with the art, so po- doing more podcasts, I think it's a great opportunity. And it's also not as, it's not right. Like so much effort and energy went into making that book podcast. Right. I think you can, I mean, when you do other projects, there's a lot more like podcasts are more of a short form of art. And so being able to do more short form art, at least for a little bit, because I have done, you could say a long form recently. Um, it's just such a, I think it's really fun. And I love being able to meet other creative people and support those two other creative people. And, um, you know, do more collaborations with them because I think uh, us creatives have to stick together. And, um, you know, there was a time not that long ago where it was really hard. I would say there were a lot of struggles for a creative, for creatives and, and everybody, you know, in a different, different area uh, as well. But it was, you know, it was a lot less. So being able to come together more now and, you know, it's been really, I've really enjoyed that. And I think that that's very exciting doing more podcasts and collaborating with creative individuals.
0: Absolutely, and I think again, it's so like about what we talked about right at the beginning about finding like a bit more of that finding of the community when we have a second act, it's really tough to do that, especially if you had came from a career where you were more inward facing and now having to be a bit more like introverted versus extroverted um I think we yeah getting to meet people, especially in like the virtual realm like this is just so. Oh, it's just so exciting and wonderful. And you just realize how much, how much creativity there is in the world and that people are constantly expanding that, like you putting your book out and stuff. It just is, it's wonderful. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice?
1: Have class. That's my advice. I'm keeping it, keeping it simple, mm-hmm. keeping it to the point from earlier to stay classy. <laughs>
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Maggie, for being my guest this week. Everybody! Take a look at the show notes below. You'll get information on how to take a look at her book that she just released all about etiquette. It's a stunning, stunning book. And I know she's worked so hard on it and deserves every success that she has. Congratulations, Maggie. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And I hope you will join me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadoer, Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancy's, Judgy McJudgerson's, or Debbie Downer's, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!